2: Well, good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, depending on where you're at. And and if you're trying to be here for the um, 9 o'clock, you could tell it's 10.30 or, yeah, 10.34, I guess. Uh, we're a little bit late. Why? Because we actually had a real emergency here at the studio. Our building caught on fire on the third floor, and uh, we had to evacuate, and the fire tr- fire department came in. I, I don't know if you saw. I tried to put that up a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, even uh, here at Ian Weekly, we have real emergencies as well. But so I, I appreciate everybody kind of holding off on that. And, and the uh, guests are able to come back uh, to talk about what you really should be talking about, which is tsunami preparedness and tsunami readiness. And we'll get into this uh, great topic because here as a coastal community that I, that I live in and work in, um, tsunamis are very important to, to us here in California and, of course, any other coastal community as well. I want to bring in everybody all at once. So I have Rick, Todd, and Mark coming in from different areas. We'll let them introduce themselves pretty quick. But uh, Rick Wilson is from uh, USGS, Todd's from Cal OES, and Mark is from the Earthquake Country Alliance. And we've been doing a lot of work together um, on getting this up and running. So first, Mark, let's uh, take it to you first. Welcome to the EM Weekly again. And uh, how's your morning going?
1: been eventful, but uh, we're glad that this could still happen today. It's a uh, important day in tsunami history, as we'll hear about uh, with the 10-year, uh, it's been 10 years since the Tohoku Japan earthquake um, in, on March 11th, 2011, which also affected um, California. So a lot we can hear about about tsunamis in general. Uh, I'm at the Earthquake Country Alliance, but that is actually headquartered also at the Southern California Earthquake Center at the University of Southern
2: California. So, Todd, great name, by the way. Uh,
3: <laughs> Thanks, Todd. Yeah, it's a great. Great to be on there. Uh, we're we're glad to hear that you were safe after the uh, fire today, and that. I thought we might get bumped for um, some fire personnel that were at the the station there. So glad you're still willing to talk about tsunamis because as Mark mentioned today is a significant day. I'm in tsunami history. Um, I work for the California Office of Emergency Services in the earthquake and tsunami program. I happen to be um, located in Eureka on the North coast of California and uh, staff from my group were spread throughout California in our tsunami prone areas
2: absolutely and rick welcome to
0: the show oh thank you uh yeah i'm rick wilson i'm with the california geological survey and uh in i'm the tsunami manager there uh we are responsible for the hundred and uh, our 1100 mile long coastline that we have and making sure that we understand uh, the hazards correctly and work closely with todd and others at cal oes to uh, prepare for the next tsunami but uh as everybody's mentioned, this is this is a critical day and it's a, it's a good day to remember what happened 10 years ago as well as what we've done since then to try to improve things.
2: Absolutely. So let me frame this a little bit here on, on the tsunamis, specifically, you know, here in the ex- experience that we've had in California. And I want to talk about two, two different tsunamis uh, that kind of impacted us. And one was the Chile earthquake, and where when I was at Seal Beach, we actually watched it subside, pull out. Um, I remember hearing over the radio as it was coming up the coast and, uh, you know, Dana Point got hit and, you know, ruined some of the boats over there. And and uh, we watched our beach kind of it was kind of interesting. And it looked like a washer machine coming when it coming back in. It was like the very tumultuous water, just looked like, a, like, a, like a like a like a like a set of washing machine going going around. So uh, that was our first. And the cool the interesting part about that one, it was a negative two foot, I think, uh, tide that day. And the next day we had a king tide and then we still had issues from that tsunami which people didn't think it was the tsunami but it really was washing into Sunset Beach into Beach uh into the into the harbors uh ripping boats off their moorings and stuff like this so so we are impacted by tsunamis and then for today and let's go back in history you know I remember getting that uh, phone call from the watch commander uh it was in the evening I was getting ready to go to bed and uh um, they said, hey, there's a tsunami in Japan. And I picked up the phone, said, okay, great, let's go. Headed into work. And I called up um, my partners in Orange County up at, at the uh, operational area. said, hey, we, Japan, just had a tsunami, we're probably going to be under a warning. And lo and behold, another tsunami hit the coast of California. And again, interestingly enough, people came to the beach on both one of those, came to the beach to see the tsunami. And as we try to keep the beaches clear. So I think this is really important. Or emergency managers all over the country to know what to do when we have these tsunami warnings and how even like inland you know like riverside county you know indio all those they're going to be impacted because people are either going to leave to go up there or to, to come in down here to the beaches to see the tsunami so let's kind of start with there so todd i want to start with you on that you know on that day um what was cal oes's kind of response to it and, and how did you guys ramp up
3: so you know i'm a, i wasn't around during the um chilean earthquake and tsunami that um that you're speaking to you know and i actually wasn't around in 2011 i've just come on to OES in the last couple of years however i've been involved in tsunami planning um, and preparedness on the north coast for quite some time but i can say that um you know in general the state you know we do have um tsunami protocols and procedures in place for tsunami that um, we're that we're ready for now and we're likely being implemented then um and so if you know the national tsunami warning center is forecasting a warning or advisory stages um where flooding is expected to occur on dry land or um, hazardous conditions may be occurring in or very near the water like you were mentioning when when it's coming in at low tide sometimes we won't, it might not be inundating the land, but we're still gonna be getting um, hazardous conditions in our harbors um, and our ports. You know, the state, you know, immediately starts participating in conference calls with the National Tsunami Warning Center. Um, and in turn, we then facilitate conference calls with our coastal emergency management personnel, um, you know, to relay that tsunami event information. You know, and as, as that data um, continues to come in regarding the tsunami event, the state's going to partner with the National Weather Service um, and, you know, through some methods that uh, Rick's group at California Geological Service, California Geological Survey and the National Weather Service have developed um, to estimate flood estimations um, for many of the coastal locations using a tool they've developed called FASTER. And that FASTER data, um, FASTER calculation includes data about the forecast tsunami wave heights um the tsunami arrival time and they use that to estimate the inundation for those coastal areas based on tidal and storm conditions like you mentioned the king the king tide that day those things come into play um and other site-specific conditions that can estimate the uh time of the tsunami arrival and then we're using that information and relaying that to our coastal emergency management partners such as yourselves that were on duty that day um, to to distribute the suggested minimum evacuations um, based on this information. And then we will, um, and then the, the local emergency management will start to coordinate where they need to you know, block off roads, where they need to knock on doors. Um, and those are the kind of method, processes we have in place.
2: Awesome, awesome. and, 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 and it's really important. important are on the coast so to, be, to be talking to our state partners as well um and, and working together with them so rick you know coming from from your view and and i know that you went to japan and i want to kind of get a little bit more about that i, I think when we think about tsunamis you know and, and hollywood has always done a poor poor job of preparing people they always take this huge wave cresting over you know and people i'll surf that wave and it's, it's not what it is um what exactly does a tsunami wave look like? And of course, what we saw in Japan, and, and how, how would that impact our coastal communities?
0: Yeah, that's a great question because we do get our public confused quite a bit by by what they see from movies and TV. But uh, you know, the, basically there's a there's a difference between your normal wave sets that you see from wind waves, where you have a you know a, a curling wave that's crashing every couple minutes. Uh, or less than a minute uh, and a tsunami. A tsunami is a surge with a wavelength that lasts for 20 minutes. So it's almost like, I like to compare it to taking the earth and turning it on its side for 20 minutes and then turning it on its side the other way. So you get a flood of water coming on shore and then a flood of water going offshore. Those are for the very large tsunamis that inundate land. But the other hazard that we we see is because of that that change from Ocean to shoreline to ocean shoreline, we see strong currents inside harbors, and as you mentioned, you know, uh, you know, some of the beaches see that 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 kind of uh, you know turbulence uh, in the water, uh, but harbors see it the worst when it's that that kind of size. So even a foot a foot high tsunami can do a lot of damage in a harbor. So. Um, we work with a lot of harbors on that. Uh, the two thousand ten event you mentioned, um, I was working that day, and uh, we you know afterwards we sent information out to try to collect how much damage there was. We had damage to three harbors, I think, uh, significant damage, and then uh, it was on the order of about a couple million dollars. However, in two thousand and eleven, we, we did the same thing, we sent field teams out, collected data, came up with 27 harbors in California, and it was a hundred million dollars worth of damage. So even a you know a little bit bigger wave can create a lot more damage. Uh, so these tsunamis are more like surges, they're more like floods and less like the, the typical curling wave we see.
1: Hey Todd, I, I just wanna share something I learned when I went to Japan and based on what Rick just said, that the the mythology or the, the, the way that they, um, people in, in Japan, you know, many years ago, a thousand years ago or so thought about tsunamis is is exactly that tipping of the earth that Rick had mentioned. In fact, what I learned is they would go to a sacred place inland and do some sort of ritual there in order to get the earth to tip back and then they would come back and the water would have gone out again so it was but they had that notion of the earth tipping uh for those types of events which was apparently similar what i then also heard to um a pacific northwest native um beliefs too so it's and and that tipping is really in a sense what is happening of sorts with the ocean floor rising up in an earthquake pushing the water in And then the water, um, then just going back out, but that it's not really tipping back. It's just that the water is flowing back out to sea.
2: So a couple of things on on the Japanese uh, tsunami specifically, and Daniel Ulrich in his book, Uh, Black Wave, really gets into um, some of the interesting parts of it that the old timers, say, you know, I don't know how many years ago, hundreds of years ago, whatever, but uh, markers saying, don't build below here. And, and they did. And everything that was built below that marker pretty much got destroyed and, and everything above it was safe. And then the other part, which I find interesting, is there was just as much damage inland due to the wave going up some of the rivers. Um, and, and can we you talk about that? I don't know if Rick or Mark, if you want to take that, but just that that parts of, of like what was damaged, what wasn't and, and why.
0: Yeah, I, I I my experience over there I, I can kind of account to both of those uh, one of the locations I went to was called Anayoshi Bay and it had one of those stone markers that said for the safety of your elders and your children build your houses above this this stone that stone was at 150 foot elevation and so that community had built you know that that was a, that was because of a, a tsunami that had happened in 1933 they had built their community further inland. Um, when I went down into where that location was, that bay, it was kind of the perfect storm of tsunami. It had a very V-shaped uh, opening to the bay, so everything got funneled. The topography and the bathymetry just made that wave go right up into these canyons. Uh, and it got up to 130 feet elevation at that location. So. That community was saved because of that stone that happened you know, that they, they constructed back in 1933. Uh, another story is, as you mentioned, uh, the tsunamis going up rivers and in a lot of cases, overtopping the uh, the river uh, dikes and the the um, the levees that were formed there. Uh, there was one case with the Okawa Elementary School where uh, they had felt the earthquake. Uh, they had argued about whether they should evacuate or not because they were up one of those river valleys uh, they they that that waiting though they took they took a good 20 minutes to try to decide and then they decided they were going to evacuate but by then it was too late and only a handful of people survived at that elementary school so there were seven, 74 children that were killed and and a dozen teachers who also were killed so that that kind of situation is you know w- if if we get the information out the, the work of emergency managers and and schools and and others if we get that message out that these are dangerous uh locations and they're identified on hazard maps for a reason then you know you need to have a plan you need to implement it quickly especially in these local events
2: we're gonna take a quick break when we come back mark i want to talk to you about tsunami preparedness and what you guys are doing at The Outer Limits Supply Company was founded on the idea of providing high-quality first aid kits. Their goal is to supply the life-saving equipment you'll need to mitigate the majority of injuries often seen during austere times. From minor injury on an outdoor adventure with your family to your team responding to a major traumatic event, Outer Limits Supply has the kits to manage most situations, providing practical user-friendly first aid kits that anyone can use. Enter Ian Weekly, all capitals, at checkout and save 20% off your total purchase. Go to www.outerlimitsupply.com today. That's outerlimitsupply.com.
0: Have you ever wanted to work in a flying ICU? Lifesave is currently hiring flight nurses and medics to join our air medical team. Check out our amazing salary and benefits packages, visit airmethods.com slash careers and apply today.
2: Power outages can happen at any time. Is your community prepared? The Power Up solar power charging trailer can be used to address the power for your community. In addition, power up solar power charging trailer can provide a platform to support your public information and community resiliency outreach efforts throughout the year to educate and inform people about the need to always be ready for more information visit powerupconnect.com that is powerupconnect.com oh there we go there we welcome back for that quick break and uh, thank you for listening to our sponsors because about then we could not bring you this quality content, and uh, just to let you know um, the people that are hiring for for nurses and EMTs right now and paramedics, uh, that right there I think it's a it's a great opportunity for you guys. So uh, it, it's a PSA that we're putting out for them. So uh, please check them out if you guys are looking. Um, Robert Whitman he puts on there he says you mentioned that um maybe the this later it says uh, the state of Oregon now has a shake alert available to the public. And he says it's very exciting. And then, you know, going back with ShakeAlert and what we're doing here in California and with the ECA um, across the country, um, what are we doing specifically for training people for what to do during these earthquakes and what to do during the tsunamis and and what resources are out there for people that are looking for training?
1: Well, I could start on that, and certainly Todd and Rick um, can add in one um through the national tsunami hazard mitigation program the state of california is supporting our management um at the earthquake country alliance uh, of the in southern california earthquake center of a website called tsunamizone.org and so while it's california uh uh in one sense it's also also national in fact uh, we even international in the way that we support activities in the caribbean each year today is the uh annual caribbean wave or caribbean wave exercise in the in the caribbean and something like 40 countries participating because there can be tsunamis in the caribbean as well and uh they have chosen today the uh the 10-year uh anniversary of the tohoku japan earthquake uh for their date this year just to tie in that visibility and recognition of what can you know what can happen in California, we encourage people to register their activities that they're doing for Tsunami any, any day of the year, but especially during Tsunami Preparedness Week, which is the last week of March each year in California. And that's March 22nd to the 26th this year. And that's similar to ShakeOut. In fact, that's why we're uh, hosting this website. We also host the ShakeOut website uh, for California and around the world and the same idea of if you're doing something for tsunami uh, uh, preparedness week or other activities to uh, let us know to register what you're doing how many people it's a way of encouraging even more people to take part when it's based on social science and marketing principles of of it if people see other people doing something they may do it too and they can also ask questions and they can see good examples and so if you go to tsunamizone.org, that's that's you'll be able to register your activity you'll see a variety of activities that you can do uh in many years we encourage people to who are living right along the coast to do a tsunami walk which is really to to test what it would be like if you have a warning uh of whether you feel strong shaking you drop cover hold on and then immediately move inland or to high ground or you get that official warning that something is coming perhaps from um, across the ocean, and you'll have a few more hours perhaps uh, than what you might feel in an earthquake that was right offshore and, and, and that shaking is your notice. Uh, but either way it's about getting practicing through, through a tsunami walk how you would actually walk, not drive, to a, a safer spot. And I know what what's really important work being done right now across the California coastline is to update the maps of the potential inundation areas and also add in uh, uh, routes to get to the areas of higher ground and that's something that certainly um, Todd or, or Rick could talk about
2: let's talk about that a little bit because you you know as you drive around the California coast and I've seen it other places as well even even in uh, Long Island uh, where where I, I used to live um, there's the tsunami warning signs that, that are there and the evacuation routes and things and and so it's, it's not always just about going two miles inland or whatever. It's also vertical evacuation if you need to. Uh, there's other ways to, to, to avoid the, the wave, if you will. Um, talk about that. And, 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 Todd, I think maybe you we'll could pick this one up. Um, what's the state doing specifically for resources for, for communities uh, on, on the coast to, to be able to put those warnings out, the signs, and, and whatnot?
3: yeah that's that's a great question uh there when mark was talking that's what it came to mind i wanted to bring up you know the tsunami ready program um and you know the skate the state of california partners with uh, the national weather service and provides support to our coastal communities in developing tsunami ready coastal communities um, and maybe some of the the listeners are familiar with the national weather service uh, storm ready program and tsunami ready is sim- similar to the um, storm ready program where uh, the national weather services recognizes communities who have voluntarily met criteria to um, improve public safety before, during and after potential tsunami events. Um, so the California tsunami program supports um, the tsunami ready communities with assistance with tsunami hazard mapping, tsunami signs like you mentioned education and outreach materials and staffing at events um, and with exercises and drills and one great way that people can get involved in their communities um is often the cert teams are really instrumental in the you know education and outreach events and the exercises and drills um they really help support um these tsunami ready communities so it's you know great to see if there's a cert um program in your community or sometimes you know that we need a community leader to get those um cert programs going um yeah and I'm saying like the mapping the the tsunami hazard mapping is a huge undertaking um that that is a really necessary component for knowing who and what are in harm's way and that's that's an effort that rick's group at california geological survey um has taken the lead on and um supports those efforts and he might he could probably speak um, a little bit more to some of those tsunami mapping efforts in, in the state.
2: Absolutely. Rick, I'm going to get to you here in a second, because I'll tell a little story. So when I, so as at the end of point first, we were the second city in California to get the tsunami ready designation. And then we helped as a group, as a County, uh, Orange County became the first County yeah. in, um, in California, in the United States, I think, uh, to get the tsunami ready designation. And it's a process. It's not, Everybody who's listening it's it's a process you go through and we worked with the USGS. They came and we walked the beach. We walked the tsunami inundation zones. We did all this stuff. so so it's, it's a lot of work. So Rick, talk about that process and and the mapping and you know the, the 30 meter mark and the 10 meter mark and all that kind of stuff that we went. Through.
0: Yeah, uh, so for California we we had uh, maps come out in 2009, which you know maybe I met you back then when we were looking at some of those maps down in Dana Point and and uh, down in Orange County but uh, we're updating those maps now uh, then the, as um, Mark brought up the national program um, is actually have guidance on this that you should do this about every five to ten years so we've learned a lot since the Tohoku event uh, and we're really applying that now to our new maps and so we actually have two new maps coming out today in Del Norte and uh, Mendocino County that are on our website uh, tsunami.ca.gov, uh, and so, uh, but we have we have maps for the entire state, uh, different vintages right now, but we're looking to update those maps. The whole process is to understand what sources there are that affect a certain location, whether they be local sources offshore or distant sh- sources uh, across the Pacific um you know for local sources in california we have the cascadia subduction zone which is very similar to what type of event uh, can be created what was created in japan magnitude 9 and a very large way for our north coast uh, where we have cape mendocino and north up to british columbia so that that strongly affects oregon and washington also um, but then we also have these distant source tsunamis uh, in Alaska and the Aleutian Islands seem to impact not only the West Coast a lot, but also Hawaii. So uh, in the Pacific, those are the main ones that affect the U.S. Uh, coastlines are, are the Alaska and the, and the Cascadia subduction zone. understanding that source, uh, modeling the source, we have new models that we use. Um, higher resolution topography and the bathymetry, you know, the land surface uh, that goes into the models is really important. And then ultimately having, uh, going out in the field with emergency managers to make sure that we're capturing everything that they would like to see in these maps. Uh, and it's it's a process that, that takes several months to go through. It, it's been difficult through the COVID uh, situation that we're in right now, but um, we've we've been trying to move forward on a lot of these maps. and. And if you do go to tsunamizone.org or to the national program website, you could probably find maps for the all US uh, states and territories on that website, on both yeah, those like websites.
1: note your zone section of, of tsunamizone.org.
0: And that links Sorry. to both the, the CGS
1: maps, the California Geological Survey for California, and also the another important uh, website to know is MyHazards. Dot caloes.ca.gov uh, links from there too. Because that not only will show you tsunami and inundation areas, but also uh, faults that are near you and liquefaction landslide potential. So it's kind of all, all together, but you know, it's good to look around at all the information that you can find.
2: Well, Todd, what's going on March 24th?
3: Oh, good. You know, I'm glad you asked. And first, I, you know, I, I was glad. Um, you know, it got brought up about, I know this is very California specific discussion right now, but I wanted to, you know, just put a plug for the National Tsunami Hazard Mitigation Program that Mark mentioned earlier. And um, California does work through the, we call it the NTHMP um, with, you know, support and funding from NOAA with our partner states and territories to really leverage a lot of these tsunami preparedness mitigation and warning coordination. Um, Throughout, you know, the 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 continental United States and then all our island territories and uh, partners, but yeah, getting out coming up, you know, tsunami preparedness week we recognize in California, um, usually about the third week in March every year, and this year on March 24th we've got a couple exercises going on um, on the north coast of California in Humboldt, Del Norte, and Mendocino County. The National Weather Service. Um, we're partnered with them to initiate. It's a it's a live code test of the tsunami alert system, and that will actually activate sirens, NOAA radios if you have them set to to go off. Um, the local emergency management county office will be using uh, relaying the messages through some of the um, pro, you know alert providers that they have. Um, I think there may be some reverse 911. We won't. There won't be the activation of Wea for that, but that's a annual test that goes on on the North coast up here where, where the tsunami threat is really high from the local source Cascadia subduction event. And then also on the 24th, uh, statewide, we do a communications exercise with all of our coastal emergency management partners from San Diego to the uh, Oregon border, um, with in conjunction with Cal OES, um, CGS, Um, and our National Weather Service partners and the National Tsunami Warning Center. Um, And so those those are some activities that we we do annually to, to, you know, practice, you know, practice our methods and make sure we're ready for the, the next tsunami event.
2: Absolutely. So Rick, last question for the day here for you. Why should somebody in Montana or South Dakota or North Dakota care about tsunami preparedness?
0: I, I think it's because they have they have residents that, that love to see the beach once in a while. You know, um, it, most of the coastlines are just beautiful. It's it's a great place to visit, and uh, you know, I think obviously there's hazards. They have hurricanes. They have other things, but tsunamis is one of those. And so, um, it really pays to to introduce tsunami into educational systems across the country because we know these people like to go to the beach and. And as we've mentioned, you know, to really know the signs, if it's a if it's a local earthquake that you feel and you don't know where it's coming from, it's just good to get off the beach. It's good to go inland and get out of one of these zones, but uh, do it immediately so that you're not waiting. Uh, the other thing is, is if you get an official warning that something's happened across the ocean, you know, pay attention to it. Those local emergency managers have this information, and we've been working very closely with them. Um, it's just good to be prepared, and you know, especially on a day like this where we. We remember what happened in 2011, uh, you know, the, the loss of life, 18,000 people in Japan and uh, the cost of this, uh, you know, $350 billion, it was the costliest natural disaster ever. It's a good, it's a good time to, to remember tsunamis and, and do what you can to learn where you like to, where you, whether you live or visit or work in one of these zones, just know your zone, you know, that's the bottom line.
2: Know your zone, absolutely. Mark, I'm going to let you have the last word for today. And uh Earthquake country. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm proud to be part of the higher education uh, committee on the ECA. Uh, some of the work that we're doing over there is fantastic. The work that you guys are doing over at ECA is phenomenal. And uh, thank you so much for what you guys are doing. But uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more. T-
1: thanks Todd. well the earthquake country alliance has regional groups in socal the bay area the central coast is new but our, our our longest standing group actually joined with has been around since 1991 that's the redwood coast tsunami work group and i encourage everybody to go to their website just google redwood coast tsunami you know it'll come up um, the the actual name is is quite um harder to remember but redwood coast tsunami work group and they are—they uh, now have a really fantastic memorial for remembering the that the Japan tsunami with video uh, recordings, testimonials from uh, looks like maybe now twenty or so people, and, um, uh, and including Todd Becker, uh, who's with us here, and uh, and Rick. Uh, I haven't put one there, uh, but uh, Todd and Rick are there. So uh, in a variety of memories of that. Uh, earthquake, as well as other great resources for tsunami and uh, earthquake education.
2: Which I think is important, right? I mean, like, today is a day that we should reflect. I mean, and I know that we were impacted here economically, but for sure, our brothers and sisters in Japan, um, you know, were really impacted with, with, and it's still impacted over there today. Um, if you read the, the book, um, The the Black Wave from, from uh, Ulrich, uh, he goes into some of the social economic aspects um and so the uh the social part of it i think is is the important part that that we should remember as well so mark please please continue
1: well i don't know when i got cut off todd should i uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> i think last thing i heard that you, that the, that the memorial is on the uh, redwood uh sites yes.
1: so just yeah go to, uh look up the redwood coast tsunami work group website and you'll see there's about 20 different recorded video testimonials, including by Todd and Rick and many others of that earthquake and, and, you know, perspectives on what happened in Japan as well as in California. Uh, And a lot of other great resources there on that website for tsunami and uh, earthquake uh, um, education. And also uh, a really great uh, virtual tsunami fair, uh, the way that they normally do in person at their county fairs in in Humboldt County and elsewhere, uh, they have that now online. So a lot of great information for learning everything about uh, tsunamis and earthquakes.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for that time today. Thank you for Todd and Rick and Mark for your time. Please, everybody, please check it out. Uh, And again, even if you live in the middle of the country, um, people do vacation. Um, uh, If you remember the story of the tsunami that happened in Indonesia, uh, specifically in Thailand, um, there was a, a young girl uh, from England uh, who took a class uh, and, and in her, her school. They're teaching science class. And I'm talking about tsunami. And she is accredited for saving people's lives because she recognized, I think she was 11 at the time, and she recognized uh, the tsunami warning signs, told everybody, and got them evacuated off the beach, and she's accredited for saving lives. So just because you are not living on the coast doesn't necessarily mean that you won't be impacted by tsunami. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time today. And everybody, please remember, listen to us on your favorite podcast player and subscribe. Give us some, uh, a rating if you would. I'd love to have five stars. And follow us on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. And we'll see you next time. Until then, stay safe, stay hydrated.